I just want to say to you all tonight, I'm very grateful to be here. A lot of people told me that I'd never wrestle again. And that's all I do. You know, if you live hard and you play hard and you burn the candle at both ends, you pay the price for it. You know, in this life, you can lose everything that you love, everything that loves you. Now, I don't hear as good as I used to, and I forget stuff. And I ain't as pretty as I used to be. But God damn it, I'm still standing here, and I'm the ramp. As time goes by, as time goes by, they say he's washed up. He's finished. He's a loser. He's all through. But you know what? The only ones who are going to tell me when I'm through doing my thing is you people here. You people here. You people here are the ones who are worth bringing it for because you're my family. I love all of you. Thank you so much. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 178, The Wrestler. Kind of in a sweet spot of time. I feel like we've talked about a few times this 2009, 2010 period. I feel like there was a lot of good stuff. Well, this was 2008. Yeah, but really, (laughs) was it though? Limited release. I was looking at the Oscars that took place in... 2009 for the 2008 year yeah not great that okay. was the year slumdog millionaire won best picture the wrestler for the not 2008 even nominated year. right for best okay. picture yeah and it was the highest score on rotten tomatoes of that year 98 percent folks yeah i actually was watching the trailers on the wrestler blu-ray and slumdog millionaire came up and i was like man I know we talk about the Oscars like way too much on this show, but it is like what a great example of something that like really has just been completely forgotten at this point. I think Kate Winslet won Best Actress for The Reader. She was also in Revolutionary Road, I think the same year. Okay. Sean Penn ended up winning Milk. Best Actor for Milk over Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler, where he had won a lot of the other awards it was kind of split that was back at a time where there was a little mystery going into the oscars as to who was going to win the acting yeah i think rourke was did the wrestler have any other nominations like uh cinematography or anything no marissa tomei for actually i I know like the cinematography for this isn't something that people would be like oh my gosh this is amazing but i do love it like the gritty realism to it yeah it's certainly a departure from aronofsky's prior works totally different style yeah a documentary feel to it 
and I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before the show, but I definitely feel like this was a time period where I was getting really excited about where Aronofsky could be heading because it's like this and then Black Swan. I mean, they're probably my two favorite movies of his. I don't feel like he's kept the momentum going, uh, uh, at least for, it's hard for me to, my level of interest. It's hard for me to go past Requiem for a Dream as far as like a top two. I'm not sure. I think I'd probably put Requiem as number one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Requiem was impactful for me, certainly. The first time I ever saw it, it was pretty chilling <laughs> and really all over the stuck map. with me. But I mean, like, I love Black Swan and that's probably my number one. And then after that, I, I think The Wrestler for me. Yeah, he's all over the map. I like The Fountain a lot. I know that yeah. some people don't. It's kind of one of those huge swing type movies that either go with Which or you don't. Which he's known for, it seems like, at this point. Certainly yes. we saw it again in the past couple of years here. Yeah. I did not finish Noah. I was kind yeah, of I've never seen Noah. It. I don't really remember Pi at all. I know I watched it probably close to 20 years ago. Yeah, that's definitely one of those movies that like when you're first getting into movies, <laughs> it's like one of those ones. And Mother, people yeah. seem to really hate or <laughs> just kind of ignore. I'm a fan of it. I had an appreciation for it. I would definitely put most of his films in the like or very like category for me, but it still does feel like his career hasn't gone quite the way that I would have thought. He's another one of these guys that's kind of quietly been attached to things and then dropped out of projects. Like, there's a lot of stuff that never came yeah, to like fruition for Wolverine, him. One of the Wolverines at yeah, one point. Originally, and RoboCop. And the fighter was going to be him originally, too. Yeah. He takes kind of a long time sometimes. Although, yeah. like we were saying, The Wrestler and Black Swan came out pretty close together. But there are also gaps, though. Yeah, time. and there's actually, like, seems like he was stuck on something during that time because I, I kind of feel like there's some similarities between the wrestler and black salon with uh certainly the ending <laughs> <laughs> yeah but even like the duality thing a little bit yeah um yeah. and i've i feel like i remember reading at one point that the marissa tomei character like originally he had like a whole idea about her having like this whole backstory of being like a ballet dancer or something you know in a previous life before it turned dark <laughs> What working at Cheeks isn't a. I listen. I I would definitely thing. hang out here. <laughs> okay, so before we get into the wrestler, let's take a step back and remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, iTunes. We thank everyone for listening. Really, it's really a treat to see that anyone has downloaded these episodes. Yes. Yeah. You know, it takes a long time to edit a do-the-right-thing type episode. <laughs> it takes me a couple extra days. I get it up there. Yeah, wow. And then I see people downloading it. And yeah, it, even, it you know, It's not there. as much as like a real podcast. Well, gosh, but, no, come on. You know. But for two complete dopes who really like have Doing nothing to own, yeah. offer the world, I mean, I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's, it makes me happy that anyone listens at all. Yeah. So The Wrestler, yeah, this was... A movie that I look forward to a lot because in case you are new to the podcast, you maybe don't know we've done a couple of wrestling-themed episodes. That's right. By Definitely. 2008, I was out <laughs> yeah. for sure and was not following wrestling, but I always had a soft spot for these kind of stories. Oh, sure. Yeah. And because of the internet, 
Okay. We were becoming more aware of what some of the former stars of the 80s and 90s, what their lives were like. What was going on? I think prior to the internet, we didn't really know the darker side of the business as much. It, I don't. I just don't think it would have ever even crossed my mind to think about. I mean, it was out there probably in some of the the magazines and the yeah. dirt sheets, as they call them. But it wasn't widely known. And then wrestling went through a boom in the late 90s, was super popular. And then YouTube, yeah. the internet, shoot interviews, quote-unquote, where the wrestlers break characters and they're telling the truth about the business. All of this stuff uh-huh. was catching on. And people were finding out, oh, this is why all these wrestlers are dead. Yeah. <laughs> And the steroids and the drugs. Right, and a lot of drugs. The darkness going on and what it was really like. And knowing that the guy that did Requiem for a Dream was going to be doing a gritty, in-your-face right. portrayal of a down-and-out former wrestler, I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, you Sign felt like there up. was uh, going to be some darkness there. <laughs> yeah. So Aronofsky, this was his first movie that he directed that he didn't write. This was written by a guy named Robert Siegel who I think Aronofsky handed over a tape of Beyond the Mat for inspiration. He was like, hey, why don't you use this as your basis? I think Robert Siegel used to write for like The Onion or something. Oh, wow. (laughs) He's written like some other stuff. He wrote that movie The Founder with Michael Keaton about Ray Kroc and McDonald's. The Wrestler is this beloved surprise hit. On a $6 million budget, it makes 44.7. It gets nominated for tons of stuff it wins the golden lion at the venice film festival two academy award nominations 98 percent on rotten tomatoes which is absurd wow high. yeah i didn't realize that and based on like 200 something reviews too. had I mean, a good uh, a, bruce springsteen song in it <laughs> the music in this movie is full of hilarious stories uh, yeah mickey rourke just friends with everybody i guess and bruce was a friend of mickey's and mickey sent him a copy of the script and asked him if he could write a song and they got to use that for free an original Bruce Springsteen song and then of course everyone knows about Axl Rose and Sweet Child of Mine being used for free that's right because I guess he knew Mickey as well and he lets them use this and he gets a special thanks to Axl Rose at the end of the credits like really big so casting uh, Mickey Rourke really uh Working out for this movie. Yeah, originally it was going to be Nick Cage. The studio was willing to put up a lot more than $6 million because Nicolas Cage, believe it or not, kids, used to be a bankable a star. A proven commodity at a certain point. Those, what were those movies? National Adventures? Uh, National Treasure, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They had a lot of big hits and wasn't quite the directive VOD star that we all know him to be today. <laughs> yeah. Nick Cage now is probably a lot similar to where Mickey Rourke was pre The Wrestler. That's right. And it just wasn't the right fit in Aronofsky's mind. He had his mind set on Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, of course, was a big star at one point in the 80s. Been around for a while. He's actually older than my parents. I mean, he's pretty old at this point. He was born in like 52. So by... Oh, wow, yeah. The 80s, he was already in his 30s, but he was a really good-looking guy and was a matinee idol type star oh, yeah. in like sex movies with like Kim Basinger. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like he was supposed to be like the hot guy. He was Christian Grey basically in what the fuck is the name of that movie? Eight and a half weeks. Nine and a half weeks. Oh, nine yes. and a half weeks. Yeah. He's basically the same thing. I mean, it's the same kind of movie. Right. And 
for whatever reason, decides to get into boxing. I don't know. Fucks up his face. Tons of plastic surgery to try to fix it, I guess. I don't know. And the Mickey Rourke you see in things like Sin City and The Wrestler and everything now, it well, it doesn't look anything like the guy right. from the 80s. It just doesn't even really resemble Well, him. I remember when he was in Sin City, he kind of did the same thing twice. Like, it was yeah. like kind of a, a big comeback to the scene yeah, when but he was in <laughs> Sin City. It was, but it didn't really lead to much right. at first because I think that's an ensemble cast and it, it's hard to even tell... Because the way the movie is, it's oh, yeah. like black and whitish looking. You know how it looks, and it's hard to even tell who's who and what's what. And right. it just didn't really like. People were like, "Oh, that's cool. It's Mickey Rourke," but it didn't seem to like lead to much. And then True. I think him being in the wrestler is why he got to make a lot of money being in Iron Man Two as the villain and shit like that. Now it's kind of like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. I mean, it's gonna burn out. It's already that's right. Like, yeah, much it's over out. again. But got to have another moment in the sun. But I, I certainly... Yeah, I mean, he was in Heaven's Gate. I know. For yeah. like a minute. I mean, that movie's like 40 years old. I mean, he's been around forever. For as much as we bring up Heaven's Gate on this podcast... <laughs> yeah, people are they... like, oh yeah, Heaven's Gate. <laughs> All of our listeners who love Heaven's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, there's certainly the uh, art imitating life thing a little bit here with him in this oh, yeah. character. And uh, it, it certainly works and brings another element to the movie. Oh yeah, this movie definitely had that meta quality and everyone picked up on it right away you didn't have to be a genius you know you oh, yeah. have to be right. Ro- roger ebert or somebody writing about this movie to pick up on like oh this seems like it's kind of about mickey rourke in a way <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's actually his trailer i mean yeah it felt believable mickey i think was always kind of a weird guy I don't know. I don't. I can't really get into specifics, but I just remember hearing like stories about weird stuff. And he's sort of infamous in that way. I, I also don't know like that many of the details around his past, but you just know that he was a guy that was in a bunch of movies for a while and then just sort of went yeah. away. The wrestler, in addition to starring Rourke, stars Marissa Tomei and Evan Rachel Wood. Good lord. Essentially, it's the story of an aging professional wrestler who, despite his failing health and waning fame, continues to wrestle in an attempt to cling to the success of his 1980s heyday. He also tries to mend his relationship with his estranged daughter and to find romance with a woman who works as a stripper. Okay. The big difference between The Wrestler and Aronofsky's other films are his directorial style the feel of the movie being almost documentary style off the cuff yeah seemingly improvised at times incorporating people that aren't aware they're in the movie like yes. in the acme grocery store and unlike his films leading up to this not storyboarded and it's clear right away because there's not perfectly framed shots it's a lot of following mickey rourke with a camera true there's yeah. so much of this movie in like, the back of Mickey Rourke. Leading up to this point, I knew Aronofsky to just sort of had this extreme feeling to his movies. Even, yeah. you know, there were certainly some almost fantasy supernatural things to The Fountain. But uh, yeah, yeah. there was always something extreme, even like with A Requiem for a Dream. But this is definitely seems like as grounded in reality of a movie as you can make. Yeah, I do think that a couple of former professional wrestlers with the exception of marissa tomei being a stripper <laughs> yeah i mean come on i don't think you're uh walking into I feel your like normal she's played a stripper like multiple times in movies yeah but i mean y- you walk into your local joint and marissa tomei 
I know. Sometimes you forget. It's just like not to go down this road too okay. far, but sometimes it's just like you forget your male privilege like a little bit and then you are reminded like oh yeah like almost every hot actress has had to play a stripper at some point it's like one of the most on-screen professions for actresses like somehow we're always incorporating strippers into these stories i I just think that marissa tomei is just absolutely stunning in this movie well yeah i don't think we're breaking any new ground there one of the hottest women of all time for sure (laughs) there you go (laughs) i love her being in the new spider-man movies and as like what has historically been the old character yeah and a big point that was made several times when spider-man has shown up it's like aunt may good lord yeah iron man tony stark pointing out just over and over what a smoke show aunt may is (laughs) i'm like thank god this is being mentioned at least yeah Yeah, some of the former pro wrestlers, I think, bristled a little bit at this because this wasn't the experience of everyone. Although there are other people who reacted to it who were overcome with emotion, like Rowdy Rowdy Piper and some of those other guys, Lex Luger, who fell on hard times after the spotlight of the wrestler world faded away. I think it just, it depended on what type of person you were. I think... The pro wrestling landscape lent itself to getting into drugs for various reasons, not just steroids. Yeah. Uppers, downers, painkillers, things to fall asleep. You kind of get into that cycle of things to get you up, things to get you down. And next thing you know, you're just hooked on this. And then you, you're living in a trailer. You have none of your money that you made left. Oh, boy. Yeah. But there were other guys that never spent a dime and were super cheap and didn't really get too much into the drugs and made it out kind of okay. So they probably were like, well, this is the worst possible example. And even if that's true, though, it definitely seems true to life for some guys. Yeah. It was funny um, rewatching this now because it, it had definitely been a while since I watched this. And while I did watch wrestling in the late 90s, I certainly didn't know all of the, like, behind the scenes, or even the fact that there was a small indie scene. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it just wasn't on my radar at all. But, like, watching this movie now, after, like, the little stint of watching wrestling again a a few years back, and you you learn all the terminology, you hear the cheap heat (laughs) and rub and spots. The first time I ever saw this movie, like, none of that was even... Like, the lingo wasn't resonating with me. My favorite thing of, like, the last five or six years was us slowly incorporating some of the wrestling yes. lingo into our daily lives I, agree. I, I kind of wish it, it we still sometimes pepper it in but it needs to be more that's we true bring, i think we could bring it back yeah it needs to be prominent right it's so great <laughs> but what you were saying there about the indie scene is a nice segue into the difficulty that they faced bringing this movie to be a reality because When you're going to tell a story about wrestling and you want it to be based in the real world, you run into the roadblock of WWE, formerly WWF, and Vince McMahon and how essentially they own everything now. And so you hit those trademark and copyright infringement things if you try to go down certain roads with positioning Randy the Ram, the main character, as like a former wwf star or a guy that wrestled at wrestlemania or anything like that and wwf owned wcw and owned it basically owned everything it is almost hard to gauge what level of success that he had except he has an action figure he has 
VHS tapes about him. Basically, and they danced around this in the making of, basically they are saying that he's like a former WWF star, but they yeah. just don't ever say that or reference real people or real events because there weren't really other guys that had action figures or video games besides WWF guys. Right, yeah. And maybe a little bit WCW too, but... There were no other things. And originally, when they were still at like the planning stages, they considered making this a period piece and setting it in the territory days before Vince McMahon consolidated everything. Oh, wow. And they just realized they didn't have the budget yeah. for that. That would have just been way too expensive, and they just couldn't do it. And so they came to what I think is a pretty reasonable compromise, which is to just kind of blend the indie world all as one kind of a, yeah. amorphous thing and, and just sort of ignore WWE. But for viewers who know a little bit about wrestling, they can kind of assume Randy the Rams' backstory. Yeah. There weren't any other organizations running the garden. <laughs> right. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, never, basically. So, okay. so when I they talk about it. the famous match with the Ayatollah, I mean, they're basically talking about a WrestleMania. Yeah. There's really no no other thing it could uh, be. I also enjoy the setting of this movie. I think it, it's Jersey, but it, it feels like a trashy, hopeless Jersey. Well, you know? that's most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but even when they're at the boardwalk, it's like there's no one there. Everything's deserted. Yeah, well, that's the Asbury Park one. I think yeah. they use the same one in Sopranos. A yeah, few times. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so the only other thing, I guess, besides like the wrestlers' reactions, I know like Vince McMahon hated it at first, and then once it became like a thing... And it was like a big deal. And a lot of the other wrestlers, like former legends and stuff, were speaking out about it. He kind of changed his tune. And well, then... I don't think he would want like this type of view <laughs> yeah, associated exactly. with his product. Yeah. And then Mickey Rourke gets involved with an angle for WrestleMania. It kind oh, of boy. turns into a of course. stupid thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know like Jericho was involved and Rowdy Roddy Piper and some of the old legends and stuff. I don't know. It seemed pretty dumb. I think Ric Flair maybe. Okay, so... As mentioned, they skate around the issue of what exactly he belonged to as a wrestling star. But the opening credits, the wrestling magazine scrapbooks and like oh the yeah, collage. I love like the look of the credits themselves. It's like yeah. this. It just has this feel of like '90s, like almost wrestling video game look. Yeah, the magazines and stuff, and the I think they used a lot of like Lex Luger stuff that he donated, and then they photoshopped it or whatever to make it randy the ram instead but it all looks real the old wrestling magazines you could buy at giant eagle or something like yeah. pro wrestling illustrated or whatever the black and white stuff and there's a lot of real former wrestling announcers doing those different voiceovers and stuff i know like larry zabisco and a few other people. oh larry legend yeah i don't know i just really dig it and it, it's just this quick trip through the heyday 80s for randy the ram and it just gives you a sense of like okay he had this moment in the sun there where was something going he's at the top of this profession he has these big matches he's probably making decent money people care about him and then it gives you that hard cut 20 years later and he's using a what looks to be like a kindergarten classroom as like a as a dressing room uh, right yeah because they clearly had matches at like a gym at a school yep and it's a it's a pretty grim assessment of the indie world. Now, if you're a young guy trying to come up in the business, it's probably not that bad. You don't have kids, you don't have a family. You're trying to make it. You're on. You fe at least feel like you're on your way up. 
but when you're the guys that used to be the big deal and you're hanging around at this stuff yeah it's uh it's, it's kind of a tough. sad right existence which i mean <laughs> not to spoil the movie but that pretty much sums it up <laughs> it's a sad existence yeah there's not um, a lot of happiness here <laughs> and you know it certainly uh gets the wheel spinning a little bit because you're like oh boy is this where i'm heading yeah, I don't think you're ever going to be as popular as Randy the Ram. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's going to be any uh, no, greatest moments action figures in video <laughs> games. I just think that I, I could see it all ending this way. <laughs> you at indie wrestling shows with, <laughs> with your shirt off. Just like getting evicted from my trailer somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's all a lot of information here pretty quick. We get a pretty fair assessment of at least part of the indie wrestling world, the shady promoters, the light paydays. And the one thing that I kept thinking about was Randy the Ram. This movie, 2008, so that's 12 years ago. Okay. Randy the Ram just in this position in this indie world. You know, not to spoil the ending, but assuming he doesn't die, let's say. Okay. This is where he would still be. He would just still be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Because... And this is not a comparable example at all, but I was thinking like about how it was a bar 10 years ago talking about this <laughs> okay. Rolling Stones song. And I was like thinking about how the Rolling Stones are touring right now and they're coming to Pittsburgh this summer. And I was like, if you would have told me when I was t- at that point in my life, 10 or 11 that, years ago, that there would still be touring. Yeah, yeah. I and you could have this exact shocked, I guess. conversation 10 years later. It's just time keeps going and some things just stay the same. And, you know, if you're the Rolling Stones, it's not really a bad deal. You're making tons of money still and people care. But when you're Randy the Ram and you're these wrestlers that just are not dead. Right. And they just keep trotting themselves out, either putting themselves through matches or at least to these sad, like, signings and events and stuff. I feel like 10 years ago I would have been a little bit shocked if – you were like 10 years from now, Mick Jagger would still be alive. Yeah, I, I maybe. But I mean, just the fact that there doesn't seem to be any difference. I, like, exactly, it was crazy right. to yeah. think that they would be touring in the 60s. Like, oh, in the 2010s, they'll be touring. And it's like, well, 2020, right. they're still going to be touring. People would have been like, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? I guess whenever the world moves on from whatever the thing is that you do. So there aren't as many people out there that care about Randy the Ram. Yeah, but he doesn't really have anything else, which is you know a huge I guess it, part of this movie. Is that he doesn't have anything else. A reminder that it's just better to never have any success, you know, because <laughs> that way your shame will at least be private. <laughs> Randy the Rams having heart attacks and all kinds of shit just oh, in front yeah. of people, right. how humiliating. <laughs> I can't wait to just have my heart attack in this apartment and no one will know for days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anything, if you're like a known person and having a heart attack out in public, it's just like, what a, what an inconvenience you are. <laughs> when he gets back to his trailer, he's locked out by the park manager for unpaid rent. He sleeps in his van. It seems like he's got to take these pills to be able to fall asleep. Okay. But his whole life is living in the past. He's got the pictures of himself up in the van of his heyday. He's listening to the 80s hair metal. Yeah. He's uh, just living in another time. A big part of this, really. Yeah. And that will be a specific conversation between him and Cassidy later. I love it. Yeah. That Cobain pussy came along, (laughs) ruined everything. So now we have Randy locked out of his trailer. 
He's kind of going from sad gig to sad gig. He's not making enough money. We saw him kind of get stiffed by the promoter played by Judah Freelander at the beginning. That was a role auditioned by by Artie Lang. Oh. <laughs> notably. I wish. So he goes to the Acme grocery store and he asks for additional hours. His manager at the grocery store, Wayne, played by Todd Berry. Yeah, and just a creepy role. <laughs> yeah, hilariously weird character. Yeah, this guy... I feel like there's another movie where this guy has murdered, like, 12 hookers. Just watching porn at yeah, work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we see that Randy, in addition to his wrestling, is working at a grocery store, part-time hours. He's goofed on by this guy, this manager, who thinks he's a joke for being a wrestler and stuff. Yeah, I, I do wish that Randy would just beat this guy's ass. Because, <laughs> I mean, when you see Mickey Rourke without that shirt on, He's looking pretty good. He's got the muscles for sure. Absolutely. Backstage at the next event, going over the matches, wrestling talk, kayfabe. This is all the stuff you were alluding to. This is at a VFW. The crowd size, I mean, yeah, looks like there's 50 people, maybe like 100. I know. Hard to feel like it would be a it's big rough. payday for anybody. But I was thinking, like, he's the marquee star. And with a lot of these indie shows, this is true to life, they would have, like, a former star from wwe or wcw or something yeah. and if the business was fair and if they were in a position to have any leverage or negotiating power you would think that these stars could get the majority of the money because i would say that half the ticket sales at least come from them having a name it person. has to be yeah and it's still like he's getting ripped off and he he really there's nothing he can do about it because if you attacks a promoter or something he's probably not gonna get gigs. what else is he gonna do yeah, yeah. you're just kind of trapped into this like shitty world where the promoters are gonna keep trying to like give you as little as possible but it's like how many uh vfws and elementary school gyms are available i like whenever they have this i don't know little wrestling con later yeah but like i don't know what it is it's not a vfw but another one like american legion or something right and it's just like how are they even putting this together and attracting anyone to come to this. You mean the one where they're like signing the autographs? Yeah. That's the whole point of that scene. Is that no there's one no came. one there, yeah. I mean, it's real fucking sad. Right. <laughs> it's one of the most depressing scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Ram has a couple people turn out, though. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> Ram gets uh, color in this match. Oh, yeah, the hard way. Blades. No, oh, it's not sorry. the hard way. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was watching it with Lindsay, and I was explaining to her that always blading i was like when they get color for real and it's not intentional that's called getting color the hard way yeah like in a an accidental way or a legit way i mean they might still be trying to do it but okay true yeah it's a little different blading is hiding the little razor blade which mickey did for real i'm pretty sure mickey Rourke. i think he actually did cut himself yeah although they they did use a stunt double with like the long blonde hair and the muscles that looks a little bit like Mickey Rourke for a lot of these more extreme gotcha. scenes, especially yeah. the the hardcore match coming up. Oof. But after this second match that we see, it, there's a conversation between the promoter and Randy regarding the 20-year anniversary of Randy the Ram's biggest match. It took place at the Garden versus a character called the Ayatollah. Yeah, legendary match. Yeah, I think... When viewers watch this who aren't super familiar with how wrestling is, they probably bristle a little bit at like some of the stereotype stuff. And basically, you have like this African American guy playing a Middle Eastern guy in like this very <laughs> right. offensive way, but it's like 
that's what wrestling wrestling. does yeah (laughs) come on wrestling has never been politically correct and i as much as they try to now i mean it still never really will be mickey mickey (laughs) i can't i can't distinguish yeah i can't distinguish and that's all that's part of the deal i mean randy's real name is robin and he can never really not be randy though and that is something we'll learn over time throughout the movie but this movie is definitely about identity and what we want to be, what we think we are, and what we are in reality, and sometimes not being able to accept reality because at a certain point he realizes that Robin Ramzinski is a loser who couldn't stay in his daughter's life and his daughter hates him. Yeah. And it is, I will say, he fucks everything up. I mean, this is a sad movie. <laughs> There are some parts that, you know, I was getting a little choked up. <laughs> a little bit. I was getting a little choked up at this next scene because you walked into my apartment and you were like, why is your new television set completely destroyed? <laughs> and I said, because of these fucking asshole yeah, this douches is insane. saying this shit about Marissa Tomei, Cassidy, the stripper at Cheeks, that Randy is overprotective of and comes to see... These guys are like college kids, and they're basically telling they're basically like, Cassidy, "Get that your she's old too ass old. away from us." Yeah, just insane on many levels. First of all, it's like Marissa Tomei is a goddess. I mean, she's the hottest stripper in this club by a thousand percent, and probably there's no in the universe world. where she. <laughs> there's no universe where she wouldn't be the hottest. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'd be. I like, get it because you have to cast a, a movie star or a real yeah. person, but like. She's way too attractive for Like, this any dude would be... That's the thing. Ram has, like, this nice little connection with her or whatever, even though she treats him like a customer. There's definitely something there. There's a, a recognition. They seem to have a little bit of a chemistry. But it's almost like he's the only one that sees it. None of these other customers are, like, throwing themselves yeah, at it her. Just, she's just too attractive. I, I, I can't believe it. You don't really ever buy that she would be into him at all, and... You don't really buy that, like, the customers wouldn't think that she was, like, hot shit and just be all into it. Now, Uh, age is, like, a significant part of this. There's tons of parallels between Randy and Cassidy, and we're going to learn both of their real names, Robin, and eventually we'll know that Cassidy's real name is Pam. The differences between them is how Cassidy is able to separate her alter ego, her stripper life. Yeah, which she talks about frequently. Yeah, and keep... That life there's the club, bay. and then there's outside the club. And Randy is unable to do that. In all fairness to Randy, I don't necessarily think it's the greatest writing technique to c- compare these two things because, no offense to exotic dancers, but, I mean, most little girls don't dream of being strippers. To be a professional wrestler true. at the level of someone like a star that Randy would have been in the 80s, I mean, it takes so much work and desire and effort to get there. You don't fall into it like exotic dancing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying not to be like a fa- I'm not putting them down. I mean, I love strippers. Not that I go to strip clubs, but I love anybody that's willing to give of themselves in that way. That's for right. The betterment yeah. of Anyone the that society. can, you know. Put on a porn star, strippers, whoever. Good song to like, you know, she's my cherry pie blasting in the background. I mean, if you're able to do that, that's certainly a skill that should be appreciated. But let's be real here. She's stripping to pay the bills because she needs to. 
Randy wanted to be a wrestler, and his inability to shake off this persona goes a little bit deeper than just it's him true. trying to make money. And this it's just is like, like who he wanted to be. Right, and I think there's a d- degree of, well, certainly regret, but even just dwelling on the past, not being able to yes. let go of... Oh, yeah. Right, so I, th- I think there's a lot to that with his character that obviously she wouldn't be relating to. One thing that I certainly didn't pick up on the first time I saw the movie, and... I don't even really know if I thought about it too much until rewatching it a couple times for this. What do you think about their relationship at first? Now, you were saying that you felt like there was something there. It seems like that way at first. Well, In watching I, it again, I'm kind of like, does she just kind of see him at first at the beginning of the movie as this long-term money mark? Well, I, I do think maybe to a degree that that is it. I, yeah, like it's almost... <laughs> to use wrestling lingo. <laughs> maybe even... I, I say there's something there, but the something that's there maybe could just be... Uh, she she knows how to he, and, diagnose how to get the money. Well, and he's, he's there's just like a regular. Yeah. The regular to a hot bartender, even that type of thing, where it's just like... <laughs> to the, compare it to, to relationships my life, in your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bartender's not interested but she's gonna put on a show and (laughs) (laughs) like act like yeah yeah yeah. we're friends right 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 yeah but really like let's keep that money rolling right i it's not that she doesn't like randy i think she does think that he's sweet and a nice guy but she really is it's just like the money is she really is living by her guidelines which is like he's just a customer i mean the people that are in here are customers yes and I don't think I picked up on exactly how cold it might be. I think I just bought into they have this special relationship. It hasn't exactly been romantic or physical, but they like each other. This is a movie. They're going to try to get together. In happy movies, they get together. In unhappy movies, they don't. But it's nothing more than that. And now rewatching it, I'm like, I don't think that she really thinks that much of him outside. Like she doesn't go out of the. When she leaves cheeks, yeah, she's not thinking of Randy. Well, I agree with that, but there's definitely a little bit of a connection because it's not like something dramatic happens that all of a sudden she's interested. Well, I think the heart attack is pretty dramatic. Uh, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) But that. But why would that change? Because she does she like him. Because yeah, right, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, to some degree, that's there. Right, she does like him enough. She doesn't. Really yeah, if see I had a heart him. attack, I don't think the hot bartender would be all of a sudden rethinking. Maybe I should give Matt a shot. Yeah, I think maybe part of it is she sees similarities between the two of them. They are a little older. Most of the people dancing at that club are younger. She's probably not as close with those dancers as she would be with like other women who are like in their 40s. I think she's supposed to probably be in her 40s. It's weird because Mickey Rourke is like, I don't know, 10 years older or more than Marissa Tomei. So I'm not sure like what the ages of Randy and Cassidy are supposed to be, but she's at least supposed to be like 40 something, I would imagine. It seems that way. Although, doesn't seem like it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, boy. Yeah. After this introduction to Cassidy at Cheeks, which I just love, it's spelled C H E E Q E S. That's right, the French way. <laughs> Cheeks. <laughs> what a name. Yeah. Going to Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> although there was like a restaurant, or there is, I guess, a restaurant chain called Hooters. <laughs> yeah, although it <laughs> I mean, feels like it's on its way out. It is, but yeah. I mean, 
It wasn't even a strip club. It was just a place that hired waitresses with big breasts. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> but there's, there's somehow like always some version of it, whether it's like <laughs> Twin you, Peaks or... you think about it for like um, two seconds, you're like, kilt. oh my God. Yeah, where this feels like this restaurant is just existing for being ex- exploitative. It's a man's world. Yeah. After this, we get a day in the life of Randy the Ram. The drugs, he's buying steroids because... He's agreed to do this rematch with the Ayatollah for the 20th anniversary, and he wants to get in shape. And he's buying basically $1,000 worth of different steroids and different workout stuff. And Although he's getting a deal. <laughs> Did you really feel like he was going to come up with the rest of the money to pay for the rest of this? Because the guy's like... Give it seems me like f- he owes money to a lot of people. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> give me the 400 you got. I know you're good for it. I'm like, I, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> Did you see where he lives? Well, we're only seeing like him at the very end during a spiral. I mean, the assumption here is that he's been successfully existing at least a little bit, somewhat yeah. successfully, on this indie circuit. And now right. it's really kind of grinding to a halt. But I would assume that if his heyday was 20 years prior, which would have been like late 80s, then as he mentions later in the movie to Cassidy, the 90s sucked. I would say he's still probably had you know a decade at least, probably 10 to 12 years on this indie circuit, and he's yeah. making cash, and he's probably bought steroids and shit from this guy before. Right. It's just that we're seeing it at like... Everything's running out. It's, it's yeah. really coming to an end, and so we are more aware of his inability to get things together than probably the people in his life, I would imagine. True. Plus... If he doesn't have the heart attack later, then maybe just he's keeps, got another big keep, payday keeps rolling. In. Yeah, for a while. Balanjual two fifty. Bali Q seventy five bucks. Two bottles of Trend seventy five dollars each. Buck fifty. Bottle insulin hundred bucks. You got four boxes of Sustan. There's three amps in a box. Thirty dollars on a box. A buck twenty. Bottle Debo hundred bucks. For your bit stits, I got your bottle Rimadex two hundred bucks. Altogether nine ninety five. I know you only got four hundred. Give me the four hundred. I know you're good for the rest. Got any GH? Got Chinese and I got Sarastin. I don't want any of that Chinese stuff. My boy, Ram. I'll hook you up, all right? Okay. You gotta take the bacteria stag water with it, too. Makes the growth last longer. Need anything else? Painkillers, bikes, perks. No, bro, I'm tapped. Demerol, Oxycontins. Sure? No, this will do me. Viagra? No. Maybe some blow? Yeah. Got it all, man. Whatever you need. After he buys these drugs, he's going to a salon to get his hair bleached. He's going to the tanning salon. Oh, yeah. Just all of the different things you have to do to like maintain that pro wrestler look. <laughs> the drugs, <laughs> the hair. It would have been better for a spray tan instead of... <laughs> The tanning bed. Yeah, but that would feel almost like the fact that like the tanning bed is so unhealthy is I mean, that just feels right, like the way lengths more you're real. willing to go to. He goes with another guy to the dollar store to buy all these like hardcore supplies that they're gonna use in this match and Randy ends up on this C Z W card, which stands for Combat Zone Wrestling. And it is a real thing that existed. Yeah. I I really don't know if it does now. I I, I don't know. It kind of sprung up in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area after ECW was absorbed into WWE. 
So that's like the more extreme stuff where they use all of the different weapons and gimmicks yeah, it's and pretty all that insane. Stuff. Really gross. Way worse Just than too, ECW. Too way too worse. violent. Yeah. People who don't watch wrestling or don't know are like way worse than ECW. What does that mean? They just they're stapling shit into each other, just like using bashing weapons, each other with yeah. glass. I mean, just cutting. They're covered in cuts, and it's just so gross. Yeah, it's a lot of gross shit. And he gets pretty fucked up in this. So yeah, the way they do this though is kind of cool. So we see him talking to this guy backstage. He doesn't this even guy? look like a wrestler. No, this is the guy's gonna have the match with right? Necro Butcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, who was a real? I mean, I don't know. Maybe still is. He, he does kind of seem guy. like it. He is a Mick Foley type. Kind of, just yeah. like you, uh, an average slub right? kind of a guy. Not like a body like Randy the Rams, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. Looks like a hillbilly. Wrestles yes, in bare feet, so. even though there's like glass <laughs> and tacks and all that shit. It's just horrible. It cuts from the locker room before the match to the end of the match, and then they're like covered in cuts and blood, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then once back in the locker room, when they're taking the staples out and they have like these doctors or paramedics or whoever like examining them and and fixing their cuts and all this stuff and it cuts back and forth to show you some of the wild shit that happened during this match that includes like spraying bug spray in each other's faces the staple gun that's the thing wrestling is predetermined for sure i think everyone knows that and (laughs) i'm like what (laughs) yeah you walk out of here i'm not listening to this (laughs) i break your tv again and most of the moves are done in ways to not really hurt each other, but there's still a lot of shit that's very real. Oh, and in these yeah. hardcore matches, they're not using fake barbed wire or fake staples. People get seriously fucked up really? in some of these matches sometimes because there's only so many ways to like gimmick things or to this like. This is the type of thing it. that feels not worth it though, and no. potentially could lead to. Uh, I would think some drug addictions. There's definitely a certain level of sadness when you're doing this kind of shit in front of like 150 people. I mean, well, this this crowd was sad. a little bit better, but yeah, even so, it's not the type of crowd that's worth killing yourself for, and that's really? kind of what they're doing. It's brutalization, just total disregard for their bodies after the match, and just to like the applause of people. I mean, it is kind of nuts. It, it is this whole other level. There's wrestling, and we can get behind the fact that. This is fake, and it's all just kind of, like, fun and goofy. But then it's just, like, these guys are seriously fucking each other up, and people are, like, losing it. They're having so much fun watching this. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a, a bloodlust to it. I think some of those people are probably also the ones that would be into the actual fighting, like MMA and stuff like that, too. But during that match with Necro Butcher, there's the part where he uses a guy's like artificial leg as a weapon. Oh, yeah. That's based <laughs> off of a real event that happened to Tommy Dreamer in ECW. Oh, wow. Same exact setup and everything. Yeah. Crowd chanting, use his leg. <laughs> use his leg. <laughs> After the match, all fucked up, Randy vomits in the locker room and then collapses, only to then wake up in the hospital in a bed and he's kind of resisting the nurses there and you can see that he's got like that thing already on his chest so he's waking up for the first time like post surgery so he has this heart attack and he has a bypass and the doctor ends up telling randy that he needs to stop wrestling yeah which i guess comes as a surprise to him but it's like dude take a look in the mirror well it's it's a scary thing. These guys don't have anything. They don't have 
savings. They don't have a pension. They don't have anybody. No discernible skills. Yeah, he's probably supposed to be about 50 or so years old. I actually think Mickey was closer to 60 at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, he's over 50 for sure. And I don't know if that's how Randy the Ram's supposed to be or not, but you're getting towards retirement age. You can't really do anything. He's already having trouble paying his bills. Right. But even if he could get on full-time at the grocery store and make enough to stay in his trailer, it's more than that. I mean, he's addicted to being this Randy the Ram no matter how sad it gets. That's true, yeah. There is nothing else. He would rather go out there and be a wrestler in front of 15 people than have to not be a wrestler and live a day-to-day life working at that grocery store. Oh, boy, yeah, but it's hard to disagree with that. (laughs) Yeah. I can't really fault him for that. <laughs> if anybody was willing to see me wrestle, I think I'd sign up right now. <laughs> it's a familiar story in the world of wrestling, especially with the leftovers from the anabolic age where they were taking those real fucked up steroids oh, yeah. in the 80s. So many heart attacks. So many people died young. There was an era of being a wrestling fan in the late 90s into the 2000s into this era of this movie, which is why it felt so topical and so real to people who were into wrestling, where wrestling stars that you knew, that you had heard of, some current, it seemed like they were dying every week, every month. Yeah. Just constantly. Some would be leftover guys from the 70s and 80s and early 90s, and some would be guys that had just been on TV. And it happened all the time. Yeah, I can remember when you first got the uh, WWE Network, and we'd just be watching like old matches from like not that long ago. I, know, I mean, you ten could put years on pay per views so. from like the early nineties. Yeah, and you'd just be like, you it would be and going through, be like, and you'd be like, everyone in this ring you, is dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like what watching something with Zach is like. <laughs> What's crazy is all these people are dead now, and I, I'm well, alive. I, it was sad. It's the lifestyle that was going on, and and this movie is sort of a depiction of that. And thankfully, it seems to have leveled off, and you'd be foolish to think that wrestlers aren't taking stuff now, but the the stuff they take now is not... Compared to like what was going on back then, yeah. Not the kind of garbage they were injecting into their vein. I don't know. Like it seems crazy to take steroids to me. It yeah. just feels like that what an insane thing for a human being to do. I do think it's funny when he's trying to check out of the hospital and the lady's like oh, this guy left this for you. He said it, he was your promoter, and it's like an envelope with cash. And, and like a note that's like, great job or whatever. Like, yeah, you earned it, pal. You're a warrior. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus Christ. I guess it's enough money to get the locks removed because he's able to get back into the, oh, right, the trailer. Yeah. But he's got to realize that he's Robin Ramzinski. He's not Randy the Ram Robinson anymore. His personas, his alter egos, his escape from reality him being this wrestler it's it's coming to an end and he has to adjust to this new post heart attack reality this life and he's taking a shower with that big scar on his chest trying to not get the thing wet and randy seems to be like a big kid in the trailer park and the kids all seem to like him and he calls that kid over to play nintendo and it's this old nintendo wrestling game (laughs) i loved this part they created this as a demo it it was a real thing they made for this movie i mean it's not like a full-fledged game right right. it's it's a working demo they made 
so they could do like Randy the Ram versus the Ayatollah. Yeah, it's awesome. And it looks and sounds like an old Nintendo yep. game. And the kid's like, have you heard of Call of Duty 4? And he's like, what? <laughs> you feel bad, but it's just a kid being a kid. He's not really sensitive to what Randy's going through. Really, But it's an indication of how little Randy actually has. And to this point in the movie, we don't even know that Randy has a daughter. It hasn't oh, yeah, even true. come up yet. Right. So you're watching him kind of, you know, interact with a couple of the kids earlier in the movie, then he's hanging out with this kid playing Nintendo, and then the kid's kind of like, well, I gotta leave. And he's like, what? <laughs> and all the while, unbeknownst to the viewer at this point, he has a daughter that he is estranged from and, and doesn't even talk to, and you don't really know anything about, and he doesn't know anything about. Again, I, I don't want to keep harping on the same thing, It's but, you know, the difference is, to these kids, he's Randy the Ram. Sure. And he could yeah. never not be Randy the Ram. And to his own daughter and whoever her mother is. I I do like that He's in this just movie. Some asshole. We never know right. anything what about happened the to mother, mom? where yeah. she is, who she was, never mentioned. But to those people, the people that were counting on him, he's not really Randy the Ram. He's dad, he's Robin, he's this guy. <laughs> and he dick. didn't want to yeah. be that guy. Randy makes his way back to Cheeks. He tells Cassidy that he had a heart attack and She's willing to. Uh, she does come out and talk take to a him. risk on this. She always seems conflicted about it. She's yeah. trying to keep this wall up to keep customers out of her life and separate, but she feels empathy and compassion for Randy in this situation. Although I will say, even the interaction in the car, she does still feel kind of cold. You know what I, I mean? I know that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I picked up on that more this time around. She's trying to speed up the conversation. I do think that she is like, "Wow, that's crazy that you had a heart attack." But I think she's kind of quickly like, "What do you want me like, to do about it?" Yeah, like you have a daughter, right? Go. Well, yeah, because he's like almost there. like crying, and he's like, "I just don't really want to be alone." And she's like, "Well, you need to be with your family, don't you? Have a daughter." Yeah, it's a little cold, but at the same time, it's like, well, what it, does she owe this guy? No, exactly. But I mean, she's even kind of speeding it up and being like, "All right, well, I gotta head back inside. You're okay, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, watching it. Again, you're like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what she's thinking to this you boy. Could, she doesn't feel like there is a romantic connection you there. You could make the case, though, that the reason she's doing this is because she's afraid of having feelings for him. That's true. That's a possibility. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily That's what I always told way. myself, you know, when I was getting, like, <laughs> the blow-off. From strippers yeah. in your car that you somehow got to your car. That's right, yeah. I was like, well, I think, you know, she's just afraid to have feelings for me. <laughs> Yeah, she's terrified. <laughs> it keeps her awake at night. <laughs> the fear that she might get tricked into having feelings for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> the writer, Robert Siegel, on the bonus features on the Blu-ray was talking about how... <laughs> this was kind of funny. He's like, it felt very cliche to have the former pro wrestler have this estranged daughter and then also be in love with a stripper and and trying to carry on with this stripper in his life and then i talked to a lot of these former wrestlers and i realized that's pretty much the story (laughs) (laughs) they all seem to have estranged kids and they're always involved with women like strippers (laughs) and i was like yeah i mean it does kind of seem cliche when you think about it but when you actually watch this you're like, yeah, this is pretty much what I would expect. It feels completely real. Yeah. So Randy takes Cassie's advice and goes to see Stephanie, his daughter, played by Evan Rachel Wood. 
originally was going to be played by Abby Cornish, who oh, yeah. dropped wow. out almost at the last minute. And you know what? Not to say anything bad about Abby Cornish, she would not have been good in this. I don't. Well, think, not at all. I think Evan Rachel Wood is so much better. She's perfect yeah. for this. This part. is an Evan Rachel Wood style role. She's somebody that because even in again, I keep, I hate to keep referencing, but I mean it was a pretty informative making of thing, and she was basically like her first day. She didn't even meet Mickey Rourke. They're just like come out of the door. And start doing the scene, the scene where yeah. he's standing on the porch for the first time when he comes to see her. And she just has that emotive, sad face. That's I mean, true, she can yeah. just launch right into crying <laughs> and being sad. Yeah. And you're just like, yep, this is perfect. This is what we want. So, no shade to Abby Cornus. I don't know where she's been. She doesn't seem like she's been in anything in a long time. Yeah, I do like her, though. Yeah, I don't dislike her. I just think Evan Rachel was better in yeah, a conceivable I, she's way. She's great in this. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out in the immediate dismissiveness, just oh, she's like, like get yeah, the she's fuck like, out of my way. Like, oh yeah. Randy comes to see his daughter. Does not go well. No, <laughs> this first time. And he's trying to talk to her, and she's just rushing off. She says she's go to class, and he's like following her and tells her that he had the heart attack. And she stops for a second, and I couldn't help but be reminded of the scene from the Royal Ten. I, I was just thinking that it's too. Ex- yeah. It's right. almost yeah. exactly the same. Except, you know, Mickey's telling the truth, (laughs) unlike Royal, who didn't actually have cancer. (laughs) It gets her to stop for a minute, but then she gets mad because she thinks you're only... Oh, you want me to take care of you? Yeah, you don't have anyone in your life to take care of you, and now that you're sick and possibly dying, you want me to take care of you after you weren't in my life and didn't take care of me. He's like, well, good point. Yeah, it's pretty sad, but it kind of spurs him on to not give up and to get some resolve the heart attack really was a wake-up call and he a reassessment of his life and he now is confronted with the fact that he has a daughter that he let down and he's not dead yet and so he maybe thinks i can still try as long as i'm still alive i can still try to fix this yeah i mean it is like there is such a sadness I don't think it's like the heart attack. It's the fact that he can't go be in front of these crowds, like whatever version of these crowds is, even if it is just 50 people. It's like, yeah, he can't go there and feel that sense of people caring, being interested. It's just like, yeah, you could also look at that stuff as something to occupy his mind, almost like a distraction. Right. Yeah. That's like his it's it's like a drug. I mean, he does drugs anyway, but he's being fulfilled. And then like when that sense of belonging he's left with his thoughts. Yeah. Which boy, that's terrifying. God, you don't need to tell me (laughs) (laughs) 3 a.m. I'm turning my lamp back on again now, (laughs) pacing around. (laughs) Thinking about conversations from like 2007. (laughs) The legend signing, oof, oof. This is for the same promoter from the beginning, the one played by Judah Friedlander, and it is sad. Yeah, it's not only a not light, a big turnout. It, yeah, it's not only a light crowd, but when you, when Mickey or Randy looks around the room and looks at these People other guys, are sleeping wheelchair. Oh yeah, canes, crutches, and then the one guy has like a colostomy bag. Yeah, that's I mean, it horrible. is like a sad scene, right? It's really just a brutal assessment of where he is. This is a guy that was headlining a major show at at the Garden 20 years earlier. 20 years, man, when you're young, you think 20 years is forever. 
you think 20 years is so long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But as you get older, like me, <laughs> <laughs> not that 20 years is like a blink of an eye necessarily, but you realize how fast it can kind of go. And for well, a guy that's Randy's age, man, that's got to feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you. 20 years is not like 50 years. It doesn't probably feel that long ago for a guy like that, that you were on top of the true. world and now you're st- standing next to one guy's asleep because there's no one there. No one's coming to see this stupid legend signing. We've got one guy peeing into a bag on the floor. Oh, and yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. like, what the fuck happened? How well, did I get here? Randy, some of us never get to the top of the world at all. So, And the backstory of Randy just remains a mystery. We don't know what happened to him, like why he's here. How did his career end? Yeah, like, did he make any bad decisions along the way, or... How did he get into wrestling? What was his story? We don't know anything. He's just thrown into this, and this is what's happening. Yeah, and it's really just, like, I I don't know, does this whole movie take place over, like, a week? No, no, no. Because... Well, I guess, yeah, because he's in the hospital, so... Yeah, because Cassidy's like, when do you have the heart attack? And he's like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be, like, a couple months or something total. Yeah, that seems right. He goes to see Cassidy again. She comes up with the, uh, or it's not really her idea. Actually, Randy does say, I, I should get her a present. And Cassidy's like, yeah, it's a great idea. And she does this seem to have like moment. a change of heart because yeah. she's like, hey, I know this cool store. It's like some kind of a vintage store. Here's the address. And then she's like walking away. And then yeah, she and turns th- around and is like, hey, I'll meet you there and help you. And there's definitely like, like this is a moment. She's stops. The camera's just, like, focused on her. Like, she's struggling with this and then just decides that she's going to go for it. Yeah, part of it is probably she knows that he is not going to do this right. (laughs) Right. And if he was left alone, he would have ended up with the terrible thing he picked out at the beginning. (laughs) The S is for Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, like, kind of sweet and endearing how she hates him so much, Stephanie, but, like, she still kind of doesn't. She pretends like she likes it, kind right. of. Yeah. At first. Because I think it's he... just like, it's so... Embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It's so out of touch and so sad that yeah. it's just like... She's like, it's wow. shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Randy retires. He makes some retirement calls. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, what, throughout the next couple of scenes. What has to go into this retirement? We know that he has the one big match coming up, but outside of that, it's well, like... It seems like he had a couple other commitments at different venues. It seems like he's booked most weekends okay, to do yeah. stuff. And so he goes back to Acme. He asks this Wayne guy. Wayne is a total dick, but he's like, I do have this thing at the deli counter. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, customer-facing. I-, I wouldn't have thought that he would have been willing to march Randy out there. Well, I mean, come on. Yeah. And the big moment here, I guess, is when Randy's like, I could work weekends. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm not doing the wrestling anymore. So we go to this vintage store. Cassidy is now Pam. Her guard is down. She's not this persona that she is at the strip club. She reveals she has a son. She reveals a little bit more about her life. Randy picks out this terrible track jacket thing that's bright neon green, but it has an S on it. And then she's like, no, you should get this cool peacoat peacoat which is like cool i guess it was definitely cool probably in 2008 i don't know if they're still as in now but it was definitely like really peaking back then okay it felt cool i think so i still thought it was cool watching it recently you don't know though which one he gets they kind of leave you hanging and you're like well "Well, they almost make it feel like he wants to go with 
Yeah. His pick. He talks to her for a while. He gives this is definitely his action figure to Pam for her son. This is a different look for her. And now I know that most of the times we've seen her, it's been in wearing almost no clothes. Yeah. But like she's even got the hat on and everything. Like Yeah. He convinces her to go with him for one beer at a bar. They have this connection over 80s nostalgia. They both think the 90s fucking suck. Yeah. Whoa, hell yeah. All right. Come on, baby. Dance with me. Here? <laughs> yeah, right here. Come on. Uh-uh. Come on. Yeah, I've danced this plenty. Okay, I'll dance for you then. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> You can get your shift. Hey, man, I need a job. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, it's a lap dance I'm getting. <laughs> you read from the beginning that you, you would end up winning. I knew right from the start you put an arrow through my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Round and round. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, they don't make them like they used to. Fucking 80s, man. Best shit ever. Oh, put your ass, man. Guns and Roses fucking rule. Crew. Yeah. Def Lap. Then that Cobain pussy had to come around and ruin it all, you know? Like there's something wrong with wanting to have a good time. Well, I'll tell you something. I hated the fucking 90s. <laughs> 90s fucking sucked. 90s fucking sucked. <laughs> They're listening to, what is it, Round and Round? Yes, Round and Round talking about hair metal bands and all that stuff and, and then uh a move a kiss yeah and she goes for it right she's receptive at first but then pam snaps out of it and kind of freaks out and flees the situation basically yeah and he's kind of left there hanging like what happened that seemed like we had something going yeah i don't know how you feel in that moment i mean you gotta feel like you're she's at least scared dead. yeah but i i feel like okay i went for it and it wasn't like a complete shutdown so yeah there's an the door is slightly ajar my foot is in there (laughs) you know so randy's gonna start this deli job his name tag says robin which he has a problem with but wayne doesn't care it's just like just put the fucking thing on and the way they shoot his walk from the bathroom through all the different back back areas of this grocery store to the sales floor, it's mimicking a wrestling entrance, mimicking his entrance. You can hear the, the crowd beginning. cheering. Yeah, and as he gets closer, the crowd audio comes in until he goes through the little thing, and the crowd just ceases to exist, and then he's washing his hands behind the deli counter. Yeah, like preparing bologna. But this first time, this first day that we see him on this job, it doesn't seem to go that bad. It starts off slow, but then it feels like he kind of gets into it, and you're like, okay. He's adjusting a little bit. Some of this was improvised with real customers. Some of it is actors. I think you can kind of tell the difference sometimes. He's goofing around, making jokes, having fun. Doesn't seem too bad. He's He gets out of there. He makes the retirement calls. He goes back to see Stephanie. And I think she's won over a little bit just because he showed up again, which is so sad with when you think presence. about it. I don't even know if it's the presence yeah. because she doesn't seem as mean to him right off the bat she's True. just kind of like stunned that he's there waiting for her when she gets back she's like riding a bus it's the first time in the movie that we really leave randy's perspective even for a second it happens again later in the movie when we see cassidy slash pam at home with her son very briefly but most of the time we're just with yeah, Randy right. at all times so we're on this bus she gets off the bus 
Randy's waiting there with his Dodge Ram. I don't know if you picked up on that. <laughs> his van. I did not actually, but that's and good. she's kind of surprised that this guy, her father, who has not really been a big part of her life in a long time, who comes and goes and is never reliable, who she basically yelled at and was like, "Fuck off." He's back. He didn't give up. He's showing up again. And yeah, he does have the presence. That's right. And that's kind of a sweet moment. Yeah, because he gives her the little track jacket thing first. That's terrible. And it's like, that's not your real present. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, she's kind of just like, what the fuck is this thing? But she's <laughs> like trying to be nice. And then he gives her the peacoat and he convinces her to go with him. I mean, against her better judgment. And she- there's a reluctance there, but she gives in. Stephanie goes with him to the boardwalk at Asbury Park. It's deserted. It's like the beach in wintertime. And it's a trip down memory lane. He's bringing up how they went there when she was very small. They went to these different, like the fun house or whatever, and she was scared and was like, then begged to go back in and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I, I barely remember this. And they have this heart it is to heart. Weird. You do wonder what was going on during all of this time. Yeah, there's you a whole know. story that we don't know. Like yeah. Who her mom is. Was her mom there with... They don't even really say that it was with her mom, too. They just are like... I mean, at one point, she says that he was never at any of her birthdays, which is just shocking. I mean, that is... Well, that's when that's she's mad. a zero presence if you never made a birthday. It's possible he was at some of the early ones. Yeah, okay. That she doesn't remember. <laughs> But, of course, she's like, you probably don't even know when my birthday is. And I got to say. He doesn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) He looks down. (laughs) Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, really. I just want to tell you, I'm the one who is supposed to take care of everything. I'm the one who is supposed to make everything okay for everybody. It just didn't work out like that. And I left. I left you. You never did anything wrong. You know? I used to try to... Oh, forget about you. (laughs) I used to try to pretend that you didn't exist. But I can't. You're my girl. You're my little... You're my little girl. And now, I'm an old, broken-down piece of meat, and I'm alone. And I deserve to be all alone. I just don't want you to hate me. Okay. But they have this heart to heart and he's crying and she's crying and he's he's talking about how he tried to pretend that she didn't exist. And it's kind of like this brutal thing to say. Well, I know. I'm almost like, you know, I don't know if you need to reveal all this. Really? Pump the brakes. Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, I know what he was trying to say. Like he was so ashamed of himself that he just wanted to like, yeah, forget that that even happened. But I get it. He just couldn't because she's his daughter. And. Yeah, and the one sweet moment here is when they're after this heart to heart scene, they're kind of walking through this other area that's like a, you know, some sort of a former 
casino, some old building or something on the boardwalk, and she's walking a few paces behind him, and then she catches up to him and then puts her arm. Yes, it's a very sweet moment. And then they go into that old ballroom. It reminds me of the movie Atlantic City or maybe like The King of Marvin Gardens. (laughs) I'm sure everyone getting these references. (laughs) Susan Sarandon in Atlantic City. People should check that out. Or I was thinking Boardwalk Empire. King, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or King of Marvin Gardens, an old uh, Jack Nicholson movie. Uh, uh, both set in Atlantic City. But this is Asbury Park. It looks very similar, though. They dance a little bit. And then when he brings her back home, they make dinner plans. And she agrees. They're going to go out to this dinner on this Saturday, upcoming Saturday. And yeah, things have really uh, kind of started to look upward here. Yeah, that's almost exactly what I wrote in my notes. Things seem to actually be going kind of good, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? And in a very short amount of time, everything goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty <laughs> sad. The first thing that goes wrong is Cassidy slash Pam is just unable to drop the facade. In, in fact, the incident uh, at the bar between them I, I do put think a bigger wall up. I feel, though... He was a little bit, he was coming on too strong here. I agree. Because he does need to be respectful of the fact that it is not a good look for her. Yes. He is a little presumptuous, a little over familiar in a way that's uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah. But she does kind of overreact, and then he just completely spirals. (laughs) Yelling at her. She's like, you're a customer. What happened before was a mistake, and... Because of this rejection, it leads to a confrontation where he's like, all right, he throws money down on the table. He's like, oh, all right, boy. well, then yeah. shake your titties for me. Oh, no. And then he's, since he's yelling, the bouncer throws him out. I'd be nervous about a lifetime ban, though. It's like, come on. It's a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> I need think you're going to have to do back. a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I could, if there were lifetime bans for yelling at the strippers, there'd be no, no one customers. <laughs> So he goes to a wrestling show as a spectator, and this is almost, yeah. you can tell right away this is a mistake. Going back to the life. The world is pulling him back because he doesn't have much else. It's the only place he knows. It's the only thing he knows. After the show, he, he hangs out with a couple wrestlers. One of them is R-Truth. That's right. <laughs> still wrestling in WWE. And Randy goes out with, the, with these guys to the bar. They get drinks. They meet these chicks. Yeah. The one chick is kind of into them. She wants to do some coke. For some reason, she's really into firemen. This was nuts. This definitely stuck with me after the first time I saw this, when he's banging this chick in the bathroom and some woman just walks in and is like, it's get so disgusting. I mean, it's like, good yeah. Lord. I know. That is just crude. <laughs> yeah. And this girl is, she's something else. Yeah, she is. There's some issues here for sure. Yeah, he wakes up in her bed with like the fireman boots <laughs> on and there are just fireman posters everywhere, fireman calendars and memorabilia. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? I here? know. I would be like jumping out the window. It's almost like something from like a David Lynch movie where you're just like, this is so weird. So absurd. <laughs> He escapes that situation and manages to make it back to his trailer to pass out. Oh, no. Yeah. I remember, oh, oh God, yeah. I remember being in the theater and just the, this happening and just wanting to leave. I was like, I just want to leave. I can't take it, yeah. <laughs> I can't deal with it. <laughs> this movie definitely has some cringe moments where you almost want to look away because it's just so painful. And this is the first one that's pretty bad because, unfortunately, 
after doing that night of drinking and drugging, it's Saturday. Yeah. The day he was supposed to go to dinner with Stephanie, and he slept through it. Oh, boy. And he goes to her house, where she seemingly lives with her girlfriend. He thinks that she's a lesbian. She may very well be. It's Not never really confirmed. explored. Yeah. She seems to live with this other girl who's very protective of her, and it leads to a little bit of a confrontation, and then the other girl storms out. And then they have this very tense, painful, emotional confrontation because he's let her down again like he has yep, last her entire trial. life. You do feel sympathy towards him, but at the same time, you're like, dude, what the fuck were you doing? How could you do this? How could you be this irresponsible? Why did you have to do that shit the previous night? And if you were going to come home and take a nap, why couldn't you set an alarm? <laughs> Anything. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's just so sad. Yeah, she's just, like, had enough, and she's like, I never want to see you again. You're nothing to me. Yeah, she's like, I don't hate you, I don't love you, I don't like you, you're just nothing. And she gets rid of him, she throws him out, and that's it. And we don't see Stephanie again, and it's a pretty sad way to leave it. Really? I'm sorry, Stephanie, I'm sorry. No, get the fuck out! I'm gonna handle this, okay? I can handle this. Obviously not. I can handle this! Oh, come on, I'm sorry I screwed this up, I'm so sorry. Wait, don't worry, I just... You don't have to leave. You know what? I waited in that restaurant for two hours. Two fucking hours telling myself maybe something happened. Maybe he's stuck in traffic. But no, you just keep doing the same shit to me over and over again. No, I apologize. Look, I apologize. I just, I got a lot of stuff swimming around in my head. And I went out and had a drink and another drink. And I just faced. That is tough shit. God damn it. Why do I do this? Because you are a fuck up. You are a living, breathing fuck up and I cannot fucking do it anymore. I can't stand it. I can't fucking cry for you. I can't fucking do it anymore. I can't fucking get fuck. Calm fucking down. Calm down. You are an asshole. Calm down. You're a fucking asshole. Calm Go down. fuck yourself. Calm Go Calm down. Do not touch me. I'm, I'm sorry. Fucking you. I know. I fucking hate you. I know you. you hate me. I know you do. I know you hate me. Now, just calm down. Listen. You know what? I don't care. I don't hate you. I don't love you. I don't even like you. And it was stupid to think that you could change. I can't. I can't. Change. I don't care. Come on. There is no more fixing this. It's broke. Permanently. And I'm okay with that. It's better. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I don't ever want to see you again. Look at me. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. I'm done. Do you understand? Done. Get out. And so things now are completely off the rails after seemingly... Everything was coming together. Okay, so... Uh, so now we're at the deli counter, and he's recognized yeah. by a patron as Randy the Ram. I mean, it takes the guy a little while to get there. <laughs> Put it all together. There. And this obviously is agitating and embarrassing for him, and he could never escape this past. Although you're like, dude, you wanted to have Randy on your name tag. That's true. The guy yeah. would have looked at your name tag and been like, you are Randy the Ram. <laughs> 
like it would have ended it in two seconds. Instead, he's looking at your name tag. He says Robin, and he's thinking like, "Are yeah. you Randy the Ram?" That would be crazy though. It's just like Rowdy Roddy Piper is just like serving your cold cuts. I don't know specifically about wrestlers working at deli counters, but I'm sure some of them who were, you know, maybe not as big as Rowdy Roddy Piper, but were guys that you would know if you had followed the the product. I think they probably were. Oh, sure. In yeah. day jobs. I mean, sometimes it's not as embarrassing as a deli counter, but, you know, it might be a car salesman, something. Oh, yeah. You know, Bob Ayatollah, he's got a dealership. I mean, he's That's the right. owner of the Does dealership. Quite well. It's not as bad, but it reminds me of that actor from, I think, the, was it Cosby Show or something? It was the the guy. This was a fairly recent story. I don't I think I know this I, reference. Uh, what's that? I don't think I know this. This is just like from a year or two ago last couple of years there was an actor he was on the cosby show i think or one of those shows from the 80s and time moved on he wasn't really acting he wasn't getting gigs anymore and he was recognized at a grocery store i think like a whole foods or something okay and it became like this news story of like look at this guy he's working at a grocery store and it definitely seemed like initially people were approaching the story writing the story as if like how embarrassing check this out yeah and then of course people were like what the fuck's wrong with you this guy is just earning an honest living providing for his family you know he's not an actor anymore blah blah blah. and then we're not that far removed from you and i working at grocery stores i think tyler perry gave him a part on one of his millions of shows that he has <laughs> gotcha so he's back in the game because of this Whole Foods dust up with Love the new it. story, but or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's just sometimes you you get that little brush with fame, and then what do you do when it's gone? You, you not everyone that's ever been on TV has a million dollars. You know what I mean? It's just the Certainly. money doesn't last forever, especially if you're divorced <laughs> or you have kids. You know what I mean? You got to pay the bills. Yeah, you might get recognized at those jobs. Imagine like we worked with a former pro wrestler. <laughs> So in response to this, Randy jams his thumb in the slicer and there's blood everywhere. Feels extreme. It's a huge scene and this is one of those other cringy moments where you're just like, oh God. Yeah. He quits. He's screaming at everyone. It's a total meltdown. There's blood everywhere. I mean, imagine you were there watching this. I feel like I've seen things that are kind of like this, although not with like a famous person. So he's got nothing left. Randy's going to return to wrestling. He reschedules the match against Ayatollah, and that's it. That's all he's got. That's his life. Before he heads out, there's this brief reconciliation with Cassidy. She comes to see him at his trailer. And but he's definitely like, it feels like he's moved on, though. He's accepted what's happening. Yeah. And he knows that he's not supposed to wrestle, and he knows that his heart is not in great shape, because even when he went and had that walk in the woods, he collapsed at that's one right. point. That's right, yeah. So he kind of knows what's going to happen i think uh-huh and he's just kind of like this is it this is the it's only way to go out world i belong in she apologizes for how things went down but randy's got to drive off and he gives her this flyer and says hey you should come i got this match with the ayatollah and cassidy's like what the fuck's going on you're not supposed to do this and she goes back to dancing at cheeks but then just bails i have and to say though like, before she does whoof i think we've said woof. i know times. but <laughs> I I do feel like this is my favorite little number of hers. Yeah, she's the <laughs> ultimate smoke show. Uh, she's given us so much over her career. Yeah, really. Uh, I think anybody who a true queen first fell in love with her in My Cousin Vinny, it's been almost 30 years of just 
a romance. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Mona Lisa Vito. Yeah, I mean, she also super nude in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, just getting railed That's by right. Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> in the <laughs> really opening really uncomfortable sex scene. <laughs> yeah, where you're just like, wow, that w- that's what it would look like if I was having sex with her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it almost gives you hope, but also at the same time, it's like a, it's like, oh god, that's that's rough. <laughs> but yeah, she walks off stage at Cheeks and drives to see Randy in Wilmington for this match. Yeah, catches him before he goes on. Well, before we get there, I wanted to point this out. When she walks out of the club, she just yes to herself says Pam. It, well, it's like. And she's accepting that she's just not Cassidy anymore. It builds in a way where first you hear the PA guy being like, Chastity, get back on the stage uh, when she's in the back room. But as she's leaving, you hear people say, Chastity, Chastity, like... Cassidy. Oh, sorry, Cassidy. (laughs) Well... Yeah, and then Pam. Yeah, and then they say Pam right before she's outside. And then she stops outside and says to herself, Pam. Yeah, and she's accepting... That she's no longer Cassidy and she is Pam. But compare that to post-meltdown. I wish it was uh, Chastity, though. Post-meltdown, Randy in the truck or in the van after he quits Acme and he's got, he's got the blood all over his hands. And he says to himself, what are you doing, Robin? What are you doing? And then he goes, Randy, Randy, I'm Randy. Oh, yeah. It's like the complete opposite right. of how she acts when she's like discarding this life. So we meet Bob, a.k.a. the Ayatollah, played by Ernest the Cat Miller, who used to be a wrestler in WCW and I think briefly in WWE. Pam arrives at the last minute, as you said, and she pays to get in. And then when she gets in, she just goes, where's backstage? How do I get backstage? And they're just, they just show her. And I'm like, well, I guess hot, go- hot girl yep, rule applies. Absolutely. She can just walk right backstage. No one cares. <laughs> And they filmed this at a Ring of Honor By the way, it should be uh, pointed out, I don't know if this jumped out to you at all, wearing like the trashiest outfit. Not like sleazy or anything, like just reminds you of like just trash. Well, I think she just took a t-shirt from like the strip club or something. Yeah. Isn't that what that was? Or did she buy, or did she get that? I thought the... it was like the same outfit she was wearing earlier when she... No, she had like a t-shirt on. Yeah. Okay. You mean when she was dancing? No, no. When she came to see him right before he left. I don't know. She had a t-shirt on. I, so I, I, I thought it was like a red graphic tee over like a white thermal or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was that what she was wearing in the scene at his trailer? I don't remember. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. They filmed this just at a Ring of trash. Honor event, and they have Randy go out there and cut a real promo in front of these people. I think this was like a complicated thing to actually be able to film in front of like real wrestling fans, because let's be honest, not yeah. the most cooperative people really? sometimes, but... You know, they got it done. She tries to talk Randy out of going out there, but he explains that he belongs in the ring with his fans and fellow wrestlers who, unlike the rest of society, love and respect him. He enters the ring to Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, as we mentioned, provided free by Axl Rose. Yeah, and it's kind of perfect. It's the song that Mickey Rourke came out to when he boxed. It got his face beaten. Oh, boy. (laughs) He gives this emotional promo with the mic. He's talking to the crowd. It's eerily similar to when, like, the Ultimate Warrior finally, like, returned for the first time to reconcile with WWE, gets put in the Hall of Fame. WrestleMania happens the next night on Raw. He does this, like, promo and then drops dead basically immediately, like, the next day. Which is basically what happens. Something very similar happens. And it's like Randy kind of knew 
As Randy wrestles his match with the Ayatollah, he begins to feel chest pains and becomes uneasy. Bob, the Ayatollah, notices and urges him to initiate the pin. Just wrap it up. Let's go home, as yeah, they say. Yeah, come on. You've given these people enough. Randy refuses. He wants to finish the planned way and do his finishing move, the Ram Jam, which we haven't really mentioned. He's done it a couple of times. It's a diving headbutt from the top rope. Oh, yeah. Which is and he Chris does Benoit's the, finishing oh, move. Oh, boy. Or it's one of his signature moves, True, at least. yeah. And I, I did think it was weird because this movie came out so shortly after that incident. Did yeah. It, Although they don't know like CTE type stuff really going on, or at least not implied or anything. No. Although he does seem punchy. A little punchy, yeah. When he's standing on the top rope ready to deliver this move, he looks over to the entranceway where Cassidy was standing earlier when they were talking and sees she's gone. With tears in his eyes, he salutes his fans and leaves from the top rope. And it lingers up on the camera up onto the turnbuckle where he was standing. It doesn't show him jumping. Yeah. And it kind of just cuts off abruptly. So we don't really know exactly what happens, although... I think we can all kind of figure it out here. Similar ending to Black Swan. That's right, yeah. Almost the same kind of thing, really. There is no other way. There's no way he survives this. I just can't... Like, he was doing so so bad. Yeah, I don't think so either. Although... You know that's not really the point, right? The, the there is there is no life either way for Randy the Ram. I had a, just a moment watching time. it this most recent time. I had a different memory. I was thinking Cassidy or Pam watched the whole match. I didn't remember that he looked up and she was gone. Yeah, I remembered it because that always bummed me out. Yeah, that I was is like that sucks. It yeah, really. She tried valiantly. I think we undersold it a little bit because she's well, he's saying she, like no one gives a shit of me. This is where I belong, and she's like, "I'm here, I'm here." Right, like basically being like, "Let's do this." Yeah, I mean, forget about like the sex and relationship. <laughs> just being yeah. like, "I'm here," like I'm I'm your person now. I'm I'm I care. Right. No one else cares. We about could you. Uh, get something going. Yeah. I want to know you as you know. She doesn't really know his real name, probably, but. She wants to know beyond the the wrestling persona, and he's just he's too far gone at that point. Too much bad shit happened in such a short amount of time, and it sucks because when you when you're rewatching this and you're breaking it down, you're like, there is this moment before he fucks everything up, yeah, where things seem okay for a second, and you're like, maybe he can do this, maybe he can live post wrestling. He seems okay at this deli job. Right. His daughter seems willing to give this one more chance. <laughs> Just like one night. And he had of, a bad night right. with, with Cassidy, but even that, I feel like she didn't know any of this other shit, and she still came to his trailer to to make up. That's right. So, like... Tracked him down. He had to had go... Had to do some work. Get sucked back in. and Talk it, to Big Chris or whatever. And it shows you that the wrestling is like this double-edged sword, because it brought him so much in life, but... It sucked him back in to that world of drinking and drugs and living like he's 30 years younger than he is. For what? To fuck that chick that he didn't even like or care about? Yeah. Who actually wished he was a fireman? <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, it mostly seemed regrettable. Yeah. And then Bruce takes us home with the the, the original song. That's right. I do like the end here. Yeah, The, the Wrestler. And yeah, I mean... I can remember seeing this movie and being pretty moved by it right away, and it it entered the 
the Pantheon. I think there was like a gap of me watching it for a long time, though. I think I went you know, pretty close to a decade of not watching this movie. I, I actually had the Blu-ray like, I mean, this was around the time that I first started buying Blu-rays. Uh-huh. And then I actually decided that I wasn't going to own movies anymore at some point. <laughs> what a stupid thing. And to took decide. it back to the exchange. And now I own it again because you gave me a copy. <laughs> That's where we're at, folks. I have to buy extra copies. <laughs> or else it just would be impossible to do these. Well, episodes. I also feel like there's always a chance now with you that it's just like you could just buy something thinking that you don't have it. Well, yeah, that happens too. <laughs> but yeah, I I had to get some copies of some things to just expedite the process because... Frankly, I like to rewatch it right before we record, too. I right. don't want to have to yeah. watch it days in advance and then give you the copy, and then as we're about to record, I haven't watched it for like a week. I get it. Then it's not fresh. My memory's not as sharp anymore. No, I can't I remember I'm things. losing it, too. Okay, so that's The Wrestler. Wow, this I think went this longer was than I thought it would. Same. I was just going to say the same thing. It's like, I mean, the movie's... Not that much happens in it, but uh, <laughs> I guess we're passionate. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's an emotional movie. It is, yeah. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. I know that you do not have a recommendation. I do not. However, I do, and I will also give a second recommendation okay to the hulu's high fidelity which you recommended in the last episode i'll i'll uh affirm that recommendation i was nervous now that i've watched it uh that you were gonna just be like this is fucking bullshit why because it's a female lead i don't know or i i, I don't know that i thought that but just that you the know gender swap re- thing. i just thought just like doing a, a lesser version of that material there are parts of it that i think kind of missed some of the point of the original i do think that sometimes with this gender swap stuff and this need to like present things through like a feminist perspective or through female eyes it's kind of it's sort of missing what these original things are because people perceive like okay well if this movie is three dudes at a record store three white guys three straight guys then it's this like endorsement of the boys club and guys being guys guys talking like guys I think like movies like High Fidelity or, you know, other movies that sometimes get criticized for like masculinity issues like Fight Club and stuff like these movies are clearly satires of things. And High Fidelity, it's like the point of those dudes are they are dorks. (laughs) And And when you make the cast like, I mean, I don't really think they're meant to be cool. They're more like sad. Yeah. Well, first of all, (laughs) when Nick Hornby wrote the book. It was not cool to collect vinyl. Right, right. Now we're living, you know, 10 years into a vinyl craze where vinyl is outsells CDs now, basically. Okay, yeah. It's just a completely different thing. A vinyl store in Brooklyn would be fucking cool. And you you cast Zoe Kravitz, somebody who is cool and right. looks cool. Absolutely. And just her dad is Lenny Kravitz and her mom is Lisa. It's like. It, it's not the same thing as like these nerds that work at a record store, but whatever. Okay. I mean, these are yeah. just like kind of missing the point kind of things. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing and it's very bingeable because the episodes are short. They work within the material, but change up stuff so that you don't know what's going to happen if right. you've read the book or, or watched the previous movie. And I liked it. 
Okay. So good. that's like a, kind of a seconded. Okay, thank I'm you. Seconding <laughs> your uh, not your uh, recommendation. All right. What time. is your uh, recommendation? New show called I Am Not Okay with This. Ooh. On Netflix, it's their new big show starring two people from the new It movies, or at least It Chapter One. Sophia Lillis, who plays Bev, she was also in Sharp Objects. She's the lead of the show. Oh, good. And Wyatt Olaf, who plays the younger version of Stan from It, he's in it as well. It is very much in the vein of the end of the fucking world. It's, okay. The, it's, the episodes are like the same length, and it's shot in a very similar way. It's presented in a similar way. It's also based off of a graphic novel, and one of the people, one of the creators, Jonathan Entwistle, who directed every episode, he's one of the main people who did End of the Fucking World. He oh, teamed well, up with Christy Hall, this woman, and they adapted this thing. It's basically a mixture of like... End of the fucking world, John Hughes movies, and X-Men. Because the main character, or Carrie, because the main character, it turns out she's got these, like, powers. It's, I'm not making it sound good by throwing that in there now, <laughs> but, like, it's not what you think. There's still so much, like, the powers almost seem, like, secondary. Okay. She can't control them. It, I, I haven't finished it yet. I'm like, there's only, like, seven episodes. I think I've watched five of them. She can't control them. She's freaked out by it. It happens when she's upset. You know, it's more like she just makes things happen. Like the wall cracks or this guy that she doesn't like, she gives like this bloody nose to or whatever. But it's shot like in Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania. And it, I mean, it's like fucking out of the furnace level. Oh, like shit. looking like yeah. it makes it the saddest, dreariest place imaginable. <laughs> I think it's like maybe in some areas, like in Beaver Valley or something, there's like a bowling alley the one kid works at that looks unbelievable. I'm like, is this real? Can I go here? Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks so old and shit. Do a live podcast from there. <laughs> it's just like a lot of relationship drama. And it's like, is she a lesbian? But like this dude. You know, the the other dude from It, he really likes her, too. Yeah, tales and all this time. It's a mixture of a lot of other shit that you've seen on Netflix, but it's very watchable. Like I said, the episodes are like 20 minutes, a lot of them, and they just fly by. And you're intrigued. And then the element of the power is interesting. It's done in a way where it's not overpowering to the whole show, where that's be like the only thing. You know okay. what I mean? Like, so much of it is about the relationships and her struggling in high school and being uncool and like i said a lot of john hughes type stuff sounds good if i yeah. ever uh finish rewatching sopranos i'll give it a go yeah like i mean you could seriously watch this in like an afternoon like when the first time i think when i showed you end of the fucking world we just watched the whole thing i mean you could, it's, <laughs> it's like true. the length of a movie right basically. okay the one yeah. the season so that's my recommendation i am not okay with this matt doesn't have one but we're furthering our recommendation of high fidelity. Hopefully they'll do a second season because it definitely left it like there's supposed to be more. Okay. So hopefully people are checking that out and we'll keep rolling. So follow us on Twitter at greatest pod, subscribe in all the usual ways, especially Apple podcast. And we will talk to you soon. Have you ever seen a one trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? If you've 
Ever seen a one-legged dog? Then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. Then you've seen me. Always leave with less than I had before. Then you've seen me. But I can make you smile when the blood it hits the floor. Tell me, friend, can you ask for anything more? Tell me, can you ask for anything more? Have you ever seen scarecrow filled with nothing but dust and weeds? If you ever seen that scarecrow, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-armed man punching at nothing but the breeze? If you ever seen a one-armed man, then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. Then you've seen me. Than I had before, and you've seen me, but I can make you smile when the blood it hits the floor. Tell me, friend, can you ask for anything more? Tell me, can you ask for anything more? These things that have comforted me, I drive away. This place that is my home, I cannot stay. My only faith's in the broken bones and bruises I display. Have you ever seen a one-legged man trying to dance his way free? If you ever seen a one-legged man, then you seen me. this, uh, I don't know if this happened recently, uh, a dinner that you attended uh, yourself. Yeah. Uh, maybe De Niro was there. Right. Uh, Marlon Brando. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was. And who else? It was Michael Jackson and um, <laughs> a bunch of kids. No. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, really. <laughs> <laughs>